In the story of the prodigal son, we read that while the son was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. In like manner, our gracious and loving Heavenly Father waits for us with open arms. Let us go to him in prayer with penitent hearts and confess our sins together. Awesome God, we have disregarded your word, failing to inquire after your will for us. We have ignored the needy, defended our advantages, and neglected our prayers. We have not appreciated or witnessed to your sustaining love. Instead, we destroy the resources of the earth with little regard for those who follow us. We value our prosperity more than the harmony you envision for your people. O oh God, we do not like ourselves this way. Deliver us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When we face ourselves and God with the awareness of our need, God gives us grace to grow and courage to continue the journey. Hear the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Thanks be to God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. believers down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms on this, the second Sunday of Advent. We're grateful that you're with us this morning as we continue our journey to Bethlehem. We had a wonderful experience in this sanctuary yesterday with the Messiah concert, and uh, many of you were a part of that and uh, participated, and we are uh, just so grateful for that uh, that uh, wonderful positive step that we made yesterday to toward Bethlehem, and I wish I could have been here, but I was stranded on an airplane, so doggone. We have a new members class today. If you would like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms, uh, just come and join us right over in the chapel after our service at 1015. We'll have a class that will last till around 1130 or so. It's your chance to learn more about our church and to find out whether this is the place you would like to make your uh, spiritual home. So join us uh, after our worship service today. We have uh, Parents' Night Out coming up on Saturday night, and uh, so if you are a parent of a young child and would like to get out, um, you can uh, drop your child off th that day, and, and uh, we will take good care, and you will have a, a nice evening. Also, our Habitat for Humanity ministry will be uh, back in gear this Saturday. It's a, it's a quick um, opportunity for you to participate again with your hands and with your uh, with your elbow grease to, uh, to be a reflection of Christ's light in the world. So there's information about that for that Habitat for Humanity event this coming Saturday. You'll note that we are still uh, a ways away in our stewardship goal, and perhaps you've not yet had a chance to make a pledge toward that effort, uh, but we are looking forward to a great year in 2014 if we have our financial resources in line. So let that be an encouragement to you if you've not yet had a chance to make a pledge to do so so that we can uh, be about uh, great things in the year ahead, as well as to finish out our year this year. Uh, we would love for you to continue in your faithful giving throughout these remaining weeks of the year. Um, it's been brought to my attention that we ran out of my book, and uh, some people may think that maybe it's because it was stolen, not because it was, it was sold. So, um, but uh, they have been made available again, so you're welcome to uh, enjoy that as well. Uh, we, uh, unfortunately, our soloist today, Jim DeBolt, has taken ill overnight, and so we are grateful to have Joe Ryan with us this morning, who will be leading us in a different selection from the Messiah uh, as we continue in our worship. And to do so, let us now invite our Advent wreath lighters to come forward to light our Advent wreath. Good morning. Today, the second Sunday of Advent, the ritual of landing, candle lighting continues. The circle of greens that holds all the candles represents God's eternity. The first purple candle symbolizes faith. The second purple candle will be lighted today to re represent the hope of Jesus' arrival on earth. Listen now to the words from the scripture Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7 that reveal his coming. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom, 
He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ. Shined. 
And they that dwell, that dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them hath the God is honored and glorified in our faith increase, our hearts encouraged when we share our stories about what God is doing in our lives. The first time I heard Jen Clifton tell the story she's about to um, tell us today, my immediate reaction after the tears was that I knew that all of you would want to hear this story too. So listen now to what Jen tells us. Good morning, everyone. Get ready to think big. Would anyone here today like to feel God transforming your life? How about the lives of your family? Can you imagine how God might work in your life in such a way as to affect people on the other side of the globe? After participating in a small group Bible study called the Seven Experiment here at Church of the Palms in the fall, I can answer these questions with an enthusiastic yes. Let me give you just one example. In each week of our study, our small group was assigned an area of our lives in which to perform a fast. The week which touched my family the most was food. We decided not to grocery shop that week or to eat out in any restaurants. We only ate what was currently in our refrigerator, freezer, or pantry. You would be amazed at how much food we stockpile. Anybody here? have that second refrigerator in the garage to hold all the extra food you buy? Anyway, at the end of the week, we took the money that we would have spent on food and restaurants and thought about how we could use that money to help people with global hunger issues. First, I went on the Kiva website and made small business loans to women in several countries with half of our food money. These women who received the loans will then pay them back and I have the choice to then either take my money out of Kiva or reloan them to more women who are trying to start or build a business to help better take care of their families. Next, my children and I sat down in front of the Heifer International website, ready to spend the remaining food money from our fasting week. My children selected a hive of bees, a flock, a flock of ducklings, a flock of chicks, and some bunnies to send to families in need. We read on the website how each of these types of creatures would help the families. For instance, my children knew that the bees would provide honey, but we hadn't thought about the pollination from the bees helping the families have a larger yield from the crops in their gardens. We also read on the website how the families who receive these gifts from Heifer International are required to share those gifts with others. For instance, when their chicks grow up and have more chicks, they then pass some of those chicks on to other families in their community. It truly is a gift that keeps on giving. 
My children were so excited as they began to understand that they had made a sacrifice in order for other families to have what they truly needed. Right before my eyes, my family was beginning to learn about living simply so that others can simply live. In fact, we made a family decision as we ordered those animals to repeat this experience once a quarter. Yesterday, we finished our second no grocery week and we're planning on buying a goat this time. We read online that not only does the goat provide an abundance of milk for the families, but they can then turn around and make cheese out of these, and they can use it in their families, or they can use it to provide extra income for their families. We are so excited at the possibilities of what we might accomplish in just four weeks over the course of a year. The other night, I was reading devotions with my oldest son, Nicholas, when I mentioned something I had learned in my small group Bible study. When I finished my story, he said, Mom, you're different since you did this study. Our family is different since you did this study. I'm really glad that you did this. Back in September, I had no idea the transforming nature of a small group study for myself or my family, or the impact our new perspectives could have on others both near and far. Are you ready to feel the transforming love of God through a small group experience here at Church of the Palms? I encourage you to prayerfully consider joining one of our small group studies. Inside today's bulletin, you will find a list of some upcoming small group opportunities. Please look over this list and use the tear-off portion to indicate your interest. During today's service, you can tear, use the tear-off portion and place it in the offering plates. Just imagine what God might have in store for you. That certainly does deserve an applause. And that little form that uh, Jen was talking to you about is in your bulletin. It's that little green um, insert. And uh, we would love for you, as we talked about in January, we're beginning a whole new round of small groups, a chance for you to be uh, transformed perhaps through that experience. And so we encourage you to fill one out, tear it off. We love to hear the sound of tearing and put it in the offering plate as it goes by later on in the service. Let's join our hearts in prayer together. Lord God, on this second Sunday of Advent, we remember your servant crying out into the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. A moment ago, we heard the call to repentance and the promise of forgiveness of sins and restoration, and we responded. Lord, help us to remember that as we rush headlong into the holidays to come. We look at our calendars and we wonder how we'll get everything done in the time allotted to us before the big day arrives. Some might be anxious about projects still to be finished, contacts needing to be made, preparations for festivities that have only begun. Help us not to let the frantic holiday planning cloud our minds and our spirits. Remind us again of what this season is truly about love, hope, peace, and joy. Calm us down, slow us down. Help us to remember that it is in loving relationship that you gave your son to us, and it is in loving relationship that your word is carried into the hearts of the people. No tinsel, no ribbons, no tapes, 
convey the eternal message adequately. You have given us the light to shine in our path and cut through our darkness. So we pray that you'll shine in the hearts of your people today. Your world stands in real need of you. Everywhere we look, we see the need of you for your coming, for your restoration, your peace, your transformation. May the nations know your truth and your light. May we remember the poor, the hungry, and the needy, those who are spiritually hungry and need to know the living water and drink deeply from your well. We pray for those in our congregation who are sick and those who face Christmas alone. Bless those dear ones with your healing and reconciliation and comforting presence and your love. Give strength to all who face difficult situations and let your compassionate light shine on them, guiding their decisions and their steps. Especially be with those in the service of our country who must be away from us this Christmas. Lord God, the hour of your coming again draws near. Make us ready in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. Bring us at last to your presence where the light of hope and love continually pour out upon us. These prayers and hopes we offer in confidence and gratitude for your love and presence. And in that spirit, we pray the prayer that you offered us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, your abundance is so evident to us. When we think of what we give, it does not compare. We pray that you'll help us to constantly remember that it's not the gifts and the giving. It is the true gift that you have given to us and help us to give generously in that spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now we're going to ask Lori and the children to come forward. Thank you. Hey, Ryan. Good morning. Hi, Steph. Tallulah, Moxie, good to see you. Good morning. Oh, what a great joy shirt. Love it. Hey, Christian. You guys must be dressed for caroling. Awesome. We're going caroling today. That is so great. Hi, Ryan. Almost got it. Got just a few more. Bringing up the rear. And thank you. Thanks, Christian. And we're going to go. Yes. Figgy pudding. We are not doing figgy pudding, although that's a pretty good question. Hello. Hello. So this is the second Sunday in Advent. Last week, we lit the first candle, which was the faith candle, that we should have a faith like Mary's because nothing is impossible with God. Today, they lit another candle. You know what this one was called? The hope candle. People a long time ago hoped for a savior. It said the people who walked in darkness saw a great light. So let me ask you, how do you feel in the dark? What does it feel like? It is completely dark. It's night. What do you feel? You did raise your hand. <laughs> I feel afraid. No, no, no. I'm not even going to ask you. I feel afraid in the dark. But if you come home and it's completely dark, what are you going to do? You come into your house and it's completely dark. What's one thing you could do? Turn on a light. Let's say the electricity is out. Now, what are you going to do? Light a candle. Light a candle. What else could you do? Ryan. Turn a flashlight on. Oh, my gosh. Turn a flashlight on. That's, I got a flashlight. That's a good idea. What else? It even works. Any other ideas? Christian. Burn a fire. Burn fire. Excellent. Yeah. Are you going to answer this time? All right. Turn on a lantern. A lantern, like with kerosene, like the old kind. What about, like, a glow stick? And not a lot of light, but fun anyway. Okay, so the people who walked in the darkness saw a great light. Do you know what their great light was? It was Jesus being born in a manger. That was the great light for us. Well, guess what? Even today, people still can walk in darkness. You know how? They might not have enough money to buy food. They might not have enough money to buy medicine or to have a house. Maybe they have enough money, but they don't know Jesus yet as their Lord and Savior. So you know what we can do? We can let the light of Christ shine through us to bring other people hope. We're going to do that today in kids' worship. We're going to make hope bags so that the homeless people will have a bag that is artistically rendered by us, Inside of it, there would be a bottle of water and a granola bar. We're also going to go Christmas caroling, and we're going to make some cards today so that after small group, we can give some older people some hope and some love. That's what I want you to remember today. Just only one thing. Be light. Be the light of Christ to everybody you meet and bring them hope. Will you pray with me? 
Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your son, for showing us how to live and how to love. Help each one of us just shine that light to everybody we meet with our words and our actions for the hope of today and for the hope of eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text this morning come first from the prophet Isaiah, the 11th chapter, and then just a few verses out of the Gospel of Mark. Mark 
which is not in your bulletin, don't worry. Isaiah writes and says, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. And then these verses from the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, verses 21 through 24. They are verses that are found in the midst of a story where Jesus is brought a young man who has been possessed by an evil spirit, some would call it epilepsy, and the father has brought him and he doesn't know what to do. And in verse 21, the story continues. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you're able, all things can be done for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We confess that we believe, and yet we are always in a struggle with our unbelief, O Lord. And so we pray that these words to come will point us to the word that we've just read and to the word made flesh. We might find hope again. For the sake of your son, Jesus, we pray this, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I had the joy and privilege to travel to England to attend the dedication of the C.S. Lewis Memorial in Poets Corner at Westminster Abbey. Some of you may be aware that I'm a, a little bit of a C.S. Lewis fan. 
And so when the opportunity presented itself, I took, I took it and experienced one of the most memorable worship services of my life. They closed Westminster Abbey for the service and we gave thanks to God on the 50th anniversary of Lewis's death the same day as John F. Kennedy's death. And remembered with great, great appreciation the inestimable difference that Lewis made in the world through his thought and writing. I can go on and on about the experience, but that's not why I bring it up. I bring it up because while I was there in London, I had a morning free and ran over to the National Gallery to lose myself in the wonderful French Impressionist section of the museum. In any art museum, that's likely where you're to find me amidst the Pissarros and the Monets and the Renoirs. And while I was there, I found myself before a painting by Vincent van Gogh entitled, A Wheat Field with Cypresses. Like many of Van Gogh's works, it is a painting that seizes you with colors and shapes and figures. The mountains roll, the skies swirl, the cypresses sway, and the wheat stalks glisten. This isn't just a wheat field, and those aren't just cypresses and clouds and hills. They are a, a creation that has come alive. It, it's hard to look at a Van Gogh and not feel the, the vibrancy of life. The Starry Night is another example of a common scene of a common town, but it's the vision of the artist that points us to the brilliance of the world and the universe. The night sky swirls and explodes with light. Now, the interesting thing about these paintings is that they were painted when Van Gogh was in an asylum. In fact, at least one of them was painted directly from the window of the asylum. Though he himself was in a dark, dark place within, there still was something in his mind, his eye, his heart that was able to see a world even more beautiful than what we could see with the naked eye. The artist could not just see the world, but maybe a world that he always wanted to see, a world even more beautiful than what we could see with our own eyes. Now here's an image that may be familiar to you. It's the prophecy window in our south transept. As you know, the windows in our transepts and chancel trace the biblical story. They go from prophecy to nativity, to baptism, to the Lord's Supper, behind the screen to Palm Sunday and the cross, and then to the resurrection, and then finally to the ascension. The prophecy window is taken from our passage this morning, Isaiah chapter 11, where the prophet dreams a vision of the world when the Messiah comes. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Bible scholars call it the eschatological vision. Use that phrase at your next holiday party. Just ask somebody, what's your eschatological vision? That will stop them in their tracks. <laughs> the eschatological vision is the dream for what the world will be like when Messiah comes. The dream for what the world will be like when God comes to set it right. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, the prophet says, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. What a wonderful vision of hope. All of creation coming together and peace reigning. Edward Hicks, a 19th century clergyman and painter, was so struck by this vision that he created a rendition of it called A Peaceable Kingdom. 
Hicks took the, literary, the literal imagery of Isaiah and placed it on canvas, animals and children and serpents and all kinds of living beings together in harmony. You, you can even see a nursing child playing over the hole of the ass. He even added William Penn and his Pennsylvania colonists reaching agreement with the Native Americans. Hicks painted 64 versions of this scene. So struck was he by this great vision of the time when God would finally come and God would set the world right again. It, it's the world we would always want, a world more beautiful than we could see with our own eyes. So whether it's two 18th century painters or a, a sixth century BC prophet, the truth is there is this longing, isn't there in all of us, for a time when the world will somehow come together, that the day will come when Messiah will establish peaceable kingdom and all hurt and struggle of the world will somehow dissolve into a vision of peace and harmony, that all the, all the slights and the jabs and the petty bickering and the selfishness and the terror and the greed and the cancer and the typhoons will all somehow go away. We call this longing, a longing, a hope for a world that we've always wanted, a world where God takes command and fills the universe with his presence and wolves and lambs and calves and lions and little children and serpents and Ohio State and Michigan fans all somehow come together. <laughs> we long for this. And we call this longing, this, this God longing, we call it hope. Paul says we boast in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. You see, for the visionaries of Scripture, when they painted their hopes and they, they dreamed their eschatological visions, it wasn't just for them pie on the sky. This wasn't some delusional dream that somehow the world was going to come together like a, a Coca-Cola commercial. No, the visionaries of Scripture looked into the future and they rested their hope in the God of creation. They rested their hope in a God who puts the stars into the sky and breathed life into human beings and called forth the people and rescued them from slavery and established a covenant and gave them a law and ushered them into the promised land and placed above them a king named David and promised them a Messiah. And even though, world, even though the world can get pretty dark and even though the times may get pretty tough and even though history may feel like it's turning against you, and even though you may find yourself in the darkness, and even though the great tree of Jesse, David's father, appears cut down at the stump, there shall come forth from that stump a branch, a living stem, a, a green leaf, and there will come a day when the world will be put right again, that the people who dwelt in darkness will see a great light, and those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them will light shine. You see, you have to remember that Isaiah writes his words, paints his picture when Israel was in its darkest hour, dragged off to exile, captives in a foreign land, city destroyed, all hope gone. Better get used to it, the cynic said. Better give up on this God you once believed in. Better get used to looking at the world as it appears to be a pretty drab and hopeless place, and you better grab for whatever you can. 
No sense believing anything else the cynic said because fairy tales don't come true. It's the way the world is, you know. The world will, in its brokenness, will have a way of convincing us that there is no use hoping, no use banking on a better day. Like the bumper sticker I saw a few years ago, you're born hungry, wet, and naked, and then things get worse. That's why I like so much the story that Mark tells us about the father who's got this child who he can't quite get help for. The father whose son is uncontrollable and no one seems to be able to help. The father who is beginning to doubt if there's ever going to be a world different than the world that his son is suffering within. Is the picture going to be any different, Jesus? Because I'm beginning to doubt it. The darkness might be too dark. I'm starting to forget. I'm starting to lose hope. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I see the world as it is, and I want to see the world as it should be. And in a measure of mercy, the Messiah gives the Father just a little light, lays his hands on the boy, and settles him down, and shows him a glimpse of the world to come. It's so easy to give in to doubt, isn't it? It's so easy to give in to unbelief. It's so easy to see the world as it is and not as it should be. You don't have to go far to hear it loud and clear that the idea of a God who redeems and sustains our good planet and people is just a pipe dream, a delusional fantasy. Richard Dawkins tells us of our God delusion and Sam Harris explains how we've reached the end of faith and the late Christopher Hitchens founded his obligation to inform us that our God is not great. We may yearn, they say, for a higher answer, but none exists. Really? Is that the answer? Is that what the world really is about? No light in the darkness, no freedom to our slavery, no journey to the promised land, no covenant with the Creator, no hope for the future. Don't tell Nelson Mandela that. Don't tell Martin Luther King that. Don't tell Abraham Lincoln that. So what is it that stirs within us when the gospel writers tell us that a star appeared in the east and angels appeared to shepherds and wise men visited from the east and Joseph and Mary went from Nazareth to the city of David, Bethlehem, and there they delivered their firstborn son and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What is it that stirs within us that when we hear that story, when we look at nativity, don't we see what the prophet sees? Don't we see the world as we want it to be? We see it coming together, a peaceable kingdom, a virgin giving birth, a, a king laid in a trough, a stable instead of a palace, a, a child lying dam, down with lamb and calf, the stars moving into place, kings bowing before the king. It all seems to come together, and God places his hands upon a broken creation and settles us down and gives us a glimpse of the world to come. On that day, the prophet says, the root of Jesse shall come forth and stand as a signal to the peoples, and the nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious, 
Why? Why might the nations inquire? Why might the, might the peoples of the earth be curious? Because this is, isn't it, what we always hoped God would be, humble enough to be born below us, majestic enough to be worshipped by kings, vulnerable enough to be laid upon the straw, miraculous enough to be born of a virgin, merciful enough to be put at our mercy, loving enough to take on our sufferings. I want to believe, Lord, help my unbelief. There's enough darkness in me, Lord, that makes me want to give up. There's enough doubt in me, Lord, that makes me want to see the world just as it is. There's enough hurt in me, Lord, that makes me want to cower and withdraw. But to see the nativity, to see the one who holds the world in his hands and at the same time is held in the arms of a peasant girl. It is what dreams and visions are made of. Peaceable kingdom, cries of a Messiah under a starry starry night.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.